All right. Get those little ones squared away. Take your Bible this morning and to begin, we're going to jump around a little bit today. I want you to go to Genesis 1 and put your finger on verse 11. Genesis 1 and verse 11. I have a question for you today. And that question is, where is the wealthiest place in the world? Everywhere I go, I see one. Where do you think where do you think it is? Where do you think the wealthiest place is in the entire planet? Every time I see it, I'm reminded there it is. That's the wealthiest place. And by the way, it's not too far from your house. What do you think the wealthiest place in Macon is? Someone guess. What would you say is the wealthiest place in Macon? Bank? I'm, t- I'm not going to have to have a straw for you. I told him small. All right, the bank. What else might be a wealthiest place in Macon? Mercer. I heard something else back here. Church. We got some spiritual people here today. The foot of the cross. Hmm? Walmart? Is that what you said? Who said Walmart? That's because that's where all your money is. Yeah. You know, the wealthiest place on earth is not the oil fields of Iraq or Saudi Arabia or Kuwait. It's not the diamond mines of Zimbabwe or the Democratic Republic of Congo. That's not it. The wealthiest place, wealthiest place on earth, none of those places, not the silver mines of Central America or the gold mines of South Africa. Matter of fact, there's one of us in this room today that spends... Most of his time in this place, he's running our sound. It's my son. Go ahead and pull that next slide up. The wealthiest place on earth is the cemetery. You say, preacher, why is the graveyard so wealthy? I'm missing something, and here's why. Because the cemetery is filled with books that were never written. Paintings that no wall will ever see. The graveyard is filled with music that no one will ever hear. It is filled with poetry that no one will ever read. Ideas that will never become a reality. The cemetery is filled with great men who died as alcoholics. Great women who died as prostitutes and drug addicts. The cemetery is filled with dreams that will never come to pass. With businesses that will never open. And I've often thought if I could mine this place, 
like they do gold, I would be a rich, rich man. The cemetery is the wealthiest place on earth. And as I look, think of my daughter, how many of you remember when you were 18 and graduated high school? How many of you remember that? Had the world ahead of you? Remember there? It's been a long time, but I can vaguely remember it. That's why I'm passionate about young people. That's why I spend most every Monday with a room full of 8th graders. For this reason. I see in every young person a candidate to add to the wealth of the cemetery. It's what gets me up in the morning. Because here's the truth. I want to see the young people die empty. I want you to go to that graveyard, young man, young lady. I want you to go there finished. I want you to die like Jesus. What did he say? It is what, church? Finished. He died empty. Every bit of potential that was placed in him by his father, he produced, he acted upon. And when the last drop of it was acted out on that cross of Calvary, he said those fateful words, it is finished. Don't die full, die empty. We need to have an agreement with the graveyard today. And it's simply this, when I go there, you get nothing. I will die empty. Everything that God put inside of me will come out by God's grace, by His power, and I die empty. What about you? We die old, but few of us die empty. If I do one more funeral... And ask what this person's life was all about. And hear, well, they love the Braves. Really? That's it. So much. So much wealth. Underneath six feet of dirt. In that cemetery. I have a question for you today. What, what do you call the wealth that is in the graveyard? Do you know there's a name for it? What do you call the wealth? Untapped? Hmm. I heard it, I think. Unused? There's one word for it. It starts with a P. Pull it up there on that screen. It's potential. Potential. What is potential? Somebody, t- I started hearing definitions for potential out there. Someone tell me, what's pot- when I say that word potential, what comes to your mind? What could be, possibility, what else? Come on, church, wake up this morning. What's that? Something you can do. 
Where is potential? It's, and you all said the word. It's in. Don't, don't miss that. It is in all of us. Here's some thoughts about potential, some more definitions, synonyms, if you will. Some of you have said this. It's untapped power. You ought to write these down, especially all of us. We should be, we should be jotting this down wherever we have to. It's untapped power. Potential is dormant ability. Think about that. It's ability that is asleep and is yet to be awakened. And by the way, who puts that there? I'm going to unpack that here in just a minute. So don't. I, this is not a motivational speech. This is biblical exposition laid out at your feet to show you where motivational speeches, listen to me, steal their worldview from. <laughs> okay? It's, it's untapped power. It's dormant ability. It's hidden strength. Unused success and concealed power. Listen to me. Potential, your potential, is who you are, but nobody knows it yet. Listen to me. Your potential is who you are, but nobody knows it yet. Turn to the person next to me and turn to the person next to you and tell them this. If you knew who I was, you'd take me out to lunch today. Go ahead, tell them that right now. Go ahead, tell them. If you knew who I was, you'd take me out to lunch today. You have no idea what's inside of me. And if you only knew, you'd want to spend time with me. How do you think I got Elizabeth to marry me? I did tell her this. Our life won't be boring. Did I lie? There you go. <laughs> Potential. It is that which is inside you. Listen to me. Listen. That is yet to be revealed. Can I put it this way? Potential is that which your creator has put inside of you that has yet to be awakened, that has yet to be acted upon. And as I say, so many people die with so much potential inside of them, and the cemeteries scream out silently, die empty. Don't die, don't go to the graveyard with so much potential inside. I always like to brag up Miss Winnie. You heard Zach playing the piano here this morning. He would not be doing it if it wasn't for that lady sitting right back there. And I've used her as an example both here and around the world as I've preached in other countries. And I've told her, I said, let me tell you about a lady who decided she was not going to take her gift to the grave, but was going to share it with the next generation so that they could share it with the next generation. This, here's a woman who's determined to die empty. Potential is what you can do but haven't done it yet. It's how far you can go but haven't gone yet. As a matter of fact, God uses this word. You ready for this? To describe himself. I'm going to blow your mind in a minute. I want you to track with me. Don't, don't get lost in what I'm about to tell you. Potential is never what you have done, but what you could do and haven't done yet. Did you get that? It's not what you have done. It's what you could do but haven't done yet. That's your potential. You see, the moment you do something, it ceases to be your potential and becomes your action. That's why you should never be proud of what you've done. You should never brag on what you've done. It's no longer your potential. It's over. 
It's a good thing, but it's done. Paul said, I'm not looking backwards. I'm looking what? Forgetting those things which are what? Behind, I press forward for the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Another way to say that, God put something in me. Yeah, I did some things yesterday, but yesterday's in the past. I am pressing forward to today because God put some seed of potential in me today. And I might die today. And when I go to that grave, I want the grave to get nothing. I miss Willie this morning. I tried to call him and I couldn't get him on his phone. By the way, that's why God is not impressed with your past accomplishments. This hurt my feelings when I figured this out, but it's because that was yesterday. That was no longer potential. He's not impressed with the A that you got in the class because it's over and done. Listen to me. It's the A's that are left inside of you is what God is focused on. Did you hear that, Ellie? It's the A's that are left inside of you, which is what God is focused on. And I'm not saying don't celebrate the past, but I'm saying don't get stuck in the past. Do not use the past as an anchor. Use it as a springboard for the future so that one day you will die empty. What you haven't done is what God is concerned with. And here's the importance of this. Hebrews 9 27, look what it says. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And just as it is appointed for a man to, say this with me, church, real loud, die once. And after that comes, say it, judgment. judgment. You, ever, you ever thought about that? Why judgment? Why judgment right after death? Because I, I thought, wait a minute, I'm in, I'm in Christ. What judgment is left? I mean, he's, he's paid for all my sin. This isn't talking about sin. Listen to me, I firmly believe this. This is talking about untapped potential. What do you still have in you when you went to the graveyard? You're going to die one time, and immediately after that, God's going to open up what was in seed form in your heart and say, did you, not, did you not know this was there? I intended for this potential to be acted upon. And then we receive rewards. For the part of our potential that we acted on. Is this making any sense? Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. Which, what's that all about? It's so simple. Wood, hay, and stubble, that's everything that you did that was God, God never intended you to do. Uh, gold, silver, precious stone, that's the potential that God put in you in seed form that you awakened to and you did something with. And then God says to that part of you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You've been faithful over what? Uh, over some potential. You, you getting this? I will make you what? Ruler over men. I got a lot. There, there's still more in you. I'm not done with you yet. Man. There's a very important word that you need to know. Matter of fact, you should write this down. It's omni, O-M-N-I. Write that down, omni. I don't mean the hotel. Omni. And what does omni mean? It means all, right? Omni means all. And then this word potent. Potent means power or ability or strength. And if you put those two together, you have omni what? Potent, all-powerful, or can I put it this way? That word potent literally means potential. Now, this is where I, I want you to stay with me for just a minute. 
What is in God? Yeah, he is what? We don't call it omnipotent. What do we call it? Omnipotent. Same thing, right? Potent is the very word, think about it, from which we get potential. Are you with me? God puts some stuff in you. Matter of fact, let me, let me explain it this way. Every one of us knows that we were created for a purpose, but actually that's backwards thinking. Because as I read the scriptures, I see that God looks at this. Have you ever noticed this? God looks at things very differently than you do. Hello? Am I just the only one? I see Mike Glaze shaking his head back there. Okay, so if somebody's with God sees things very differently than we do. I think, well, you know what? God created me for a purpose. No, listen to me. God created me because of purpose. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Here's what I'm saying. God looked ahead in time and said, you know what? There's something that I've done in the future. I've had a purpose and I've completed it in the future. Now I need to create Paul Jettle in order to bring that purpose about. Is that making sense? You weren't created for purpose. Listen to me. You were created, Ellie, Adrian, you were created because of purpose. Not for a purpose. God already has a purpose and it's already done. And he puts you on this planet in order to bring that about. And God, listen to me, God's not up in heaven sweating it. My mother used to say, when we did something wrong, I did it once or twice in my life, I did something wrong. And she used to say, we knew you are in trouble when she said, you sniveling little snake in the grass. That's as close she ever came to cussing. And then she said this, I brought you into this world, I take you out and make another one just like you. And I never forgot that. Uh-huh. Hmm. Because you know, as a parent, the only strength that you have is to keep a little bit of wonder in those kids. What is she really capable of? <laughs> right? And mom kept that until I was about 15. Okay? Here's the thing. What's that got to do with me? Listen, God put all this potential in you. He's got a purpose. He already did it. It's done in God's economy. And if you don't do it, he's going to make another one just like you. But the problem with that is you're going to stand before him and he's going to open all this unlocked potential and say, brother, you died full instead of empty. But this idea of omnipotent, 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 it's amazing. It's the only word that we can ascribe to God alone. You think about it. This means that everything God has done, now check this out. And these are the best numbers we have. 500 million galaxies. Almost a trillion suns that they've counted so far. Multi-millions of Milky Ways out there. And guess what? They all came from the same God. Just let that wash over you for a minute. The Bible says that before anything was, God is. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or anything was, God is, and listen to this, and everything, it says all things were created by Him. How many things, church? And without Him was not anything made that was made. Who created everything? That's why to steal that glory from Him guts the gospel. That's not what the sermon's about. But this summer, I am going to bring in a a biblical scientist who is going to share with you from this pulpit how you can trust in a literal Genesis and why it's valid and important that we do. Everything came out of God. 
And here's the amazing part about it. So before anything was, there was nothing but who? God. It's just God, nothing else. And there, in that nothingness, God was, listen, was pregnant with everything before anything was. Hang with me. Everything that is came out of who? God. It was where? In him. All power, omnipotent, all of that potential was stored up in God. And God was pregnant with that which was about to be. You met God before anything was, standing in the middle of nowhere and walked up to him and shook his hand. You would have been shaking hands with everything. Think about that. God was full of potential and he released some of it and we call it the universe. Did you get that? He released some of it and we call it the universe that we're discovering is every day way bigger than we ever dreamed could be possible. All of this was in God. It was inside of him. Full of potential and releases just a little of it. And everything that was made was made by him. That's why we say all potential is in who? Him. But he, listen to me. <laughs> you say, wait a minute, preacher. If, if he only released a little bit of it, and we still call him omnipotent, what does that mean? It means you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why God said, hey, look, it will blow. I'm, this is Paul Jettles. It's not a translation. What do you call it? Not what do you call the living Bible? It's not a translation. This is Paul Jettle's paraphrase of, of Paul the Apostle. He said, look, look church, if, you, if, if, if I downloaded just, just a, a, one file of what I have prepared for those who love me, it would blow your hard drive. What's that mean? He unpacked just a little bit of his potential. I think he's unpacked a whole lot more creating where we're going to be. This is God. He's full of this massive potential. Potential is the foundation of God's nature. God himself is potential, and he's the secret of all life. What's that mean? Track with me. Check this out. Because that's true, everything God created, he created with the same principle as himself. I want want you to chew on that for a second. We celebrate and honor Ellie's graduation. God created her, and in her is the same principle that was in God. What is that principle? It's called, say it with me, potential. She has, and you have, and I have, some of God's potential inside of us. That's how God does it. His, his DNA, his stamp, is not just a signature, it's himself. You with me? And think about what he created with just a little bit of himself. Now, now, now put two and two together and come up with thousands and realize he put a little bit of that in you. This untapped potential. It's amazing when you stop to think about it. Matter of fact, this one, in Genesis 1.11, did you turn there this morning? I'm not making this up. Look what it says. And then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. And the people in Colorado are happy about that. Not that kind of grass. And, and the herb that yields seed. Underline that word seed in your Bible. 
And the fruit tree that yields what? Fruit according to its kind, whose, and circle this, whose seed is where? In itself, where? On the earth, and it was so. What's that saying? That's saying that God made things in such a way that inside of what it produced was the potential to produce more just like it. You with me? The seed, that's where, that's where God is always after, is the seed, because life is in that seed. God created everything like a seed, and he put the seed of everything in itself. It sounds complicated, but let me break it down the best I can. Whenever something was created to become, God put it inside the thing. Whatever something was created to become, God put that inside the thing that he made. He didn't make it full grown. He started with a what? A seed. Whatever it was to become, God, God hid it deep down inside the thing that he made. And by the way, that's why God doesn't create anything anymore. When's the last time you saw God create a tree in your backyard just overnight? Why, why doesn't God create trees anymore? That's exactly right, because God is so good at what he does. He, he, put the, he put the future inside of every tree. There's no need to create trees. Why? Because God created trees to create trees for him, and the process continues. You with me? Second Timothy 1.6. This is where this verse becomes vitally important. One of my favorite verses. Come up on the screen. Here's what it says. Paul, talking to Timothy, he says this, Fan into flame the gift that is in you. What's that, what is it? Now, now, just look at that verse for a second and tell me, what's that, what picture comes up in your mind? What's that? Fanning coals. That's exactly what I was thinking. A little ember. Just a little. I mean, there's nothing there. But there used to be a saying. I worked in a nursing home for years, and the old people love these old adages. They say, how great a forest fire a little spark can kindle. Just, it's just a little nothing. You can blow it right out. But oh, you take that little ember and you start giving it what it needs to expand and explode, a little bit of oxygen, a little bit of fuel. What happens to that little ember? It becomes a roaring fire. And what did Paul say to young Timothy? Hey, Timothy, we laid hands on you, brother. And when we did, God put some gifts inside of you. But listen, he did not put the gift of a world evangelist inside of you fully formed, although that's in there. But what he put it into form was a little ember. And if you're not careful, you can let people around you in your environment blow it out. But don't do that, Timothy, because that little gift that's in you, that potential, that seed, you need to what? What did Paul say his responsibility was to do? Fan it into what? Flame. Is a flame bigger than an ember? Is there such a thing as a flame without an ember? No. We all have to start somewhere. God is telling us that the seed is the key to everything. Now, you'll notice I have a bowl of apples on the communion table today and, and I want you to see this apple in my hand and one of them I cut open and inside of this apple I found this can you even see it 
What is it? A seed. It's just, it's kind of small, isn't it? Just a little tiny seed. That's what you see, right? What kind of seed is it? It's an apple seed. Now, here's the thing. That's a fact. But it's not the truth. That's a fact. But it's not the truth. You say, Pastor, you're confusing me. Think about it this way. Because if you get the difference, it'll change your life. If you get the difference between a fact and a truth, it'll change your life. Listen to this. A fact is a description of the present state of things. So you are accurate to say it is a fact that the pastor is holding a what, church? Apple seed. It's a fact. But here's the thing. It's not the truth. It might be a fact, but it is not the truth. Why is that? Because, listen, don't miss this. Truth is not what you see. Truth is what can be. See, because truth does not describe what is. Truth describes what could be. Fact describes reality in the present state. Truth describes potential in the future. Does that make any sense? I just dropped it. There it is. Yeah. There we go. A little seed. A little tiny apple seed. Here's the thing. What I'm holding in my hand is not an apple seed. It's an apple tree. What, what's potential? What did God put inside of this teeny tiny little seed? What did he put in here? He put it. What, what could come out of this thing? A tree. You say, Pastor, you're holding an apple tree. Well, what do apple trees produce, David? What comes out of apple trees? Apples. There you go. So am I just holding an apple tree in my hand? No. What am, what am I holding? Apples. I'm holding a tree that could produce fruit, and inside the fruit is the what? Seed that becomes a what? Tree that produces fruit, and inside the fruit is a what? A seed that becomes a what? That produces what? And inside the fruit is a what? Seed. That, uh, inside the seed is a what? A tree that produces what? That, 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 that makes seeds, and inside the seed is what? I'm not holding a seed in my hand. I'm holding an entire forest of apples. I was. <laughs> I was holding an entire forest of apples in my hand. Now I am again. You say, boy, Pastor, you are strong. I am. I'm holding a whole orchard in one hand. Top that. But here's the thing. What did I just do? Those are wretched. Oh. Nope. They're probably poison. I'm going to die empty, bless God. I forgot when I was talking. Oh, what did I just do? Did I just, did I just destroy a seed? That's the fact. What's the truth? What did I destroy? I destroyed a forest of trees that will produce fruit, that have seeds, that will produce trees, that will produce fruit, that have seeds. I destroyed the potential. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. That's why Satan hates you. He's not after you. He's after what you possess. 
Because if you ever unlock your potential by God's grace and obedience to Him, you will produce a forest. Let me tell you, it's easier to eat an apple seed than to chop down an apple tree. And the enemy knows it, and he's after you. He is after you with everything in him. That's potential. It's what God put inside of you. You might not die empty. God doesn't look at what people see. God looks at the truth. And he looks at reality. People look at facts, what they can see. When they see you, they might not be impressed, but if they knew who was in you, they would be awed. Are you with me? We need to wake up to what God has placed inside of us. People see the facts. God sees the truth. The truth is there is a forest of impact in your life. And listen to me, it's not about you. It's about God's glory. He put it in you to be discovered, acted upon, awakened, unpacked, and produced for the glory of Jesus Christ so that when they take your, your carcass to the grave, the grave gets nothing because you have died empty. You know, when people looked at Moses... After he runs away to the wilderness, what did they see? They saw a spoiled, rich kid. They saw a murderer. They saw a failure. You know what the sad part about that is? Moses agreed. It's exactly what he saw in the mirror. (laughs) But listen to me. You know what God saw? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, that's better preaching than you're you're responding, folks. He saw the first five books of the Bible when everyone else saw a failure. And I'm telling you what, when God puts something in you, he puts it in you to be unpacked, awakened, and acted upon. Now, you can spend the best, best part of your life on the backside of the desert, but know that God created you because he already did something and he needs you to fulfill it. When they looked at Rahab, what did they see? A whore. Someone who sold her body to get her next meal. Throwaway person. What did God see? The great, great, great grandmother of his son. Hmm. Imagine that. My favorite one, because I can relate to this guy at some level. This is what God said about a little kid named David who had eight brothers. And God says to Samuel, you know what, go up to Jesse's house because there's a king up there. I'll, I'll tell you which one. Just go on. Remember what happened? The old prophet goes up to Jesse's house and said, hey, God told me there's a king living in this house. Get your boys together. Jesse says, I know just one. Here's the handsome one, the oldest. Nope, not him. Okay, well, this one's not too good looking, but he's smart. Nope, not him. Well, here's the computer guy. Nope, not him. Here's the, here's the, here's the entrepreneur. Nope, not him. All the way down the line, and God says, no, 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 no. 
And finally Samuel says, I'm confused, God. I thought you told me it was here. And so he turns to Jesse and says, dumb question. I don't mean to offend your intellect, but do you got any more? And Jesse says, no, no. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we do. As a matter of fact, we got one. I forgot about him. Yeah, we got this Ronnie little scrunt. That's not right. Scrawny little runt. It's that apple seed. I'll tell you, that whole forest is doing something to me on the inside, I'm telling you. We got this scrawny little runt, and he's out there doing the sheep, but he ain't very good looking. He ain't even really that smart. I mean, and, and he's the spare of the spare of the spare of the spare. Surely it's not him. You know what Samuel said? Get him. What happens? What happens? He shows up, and God says, that's him. And Samuel says, you've got to be kidding me. You, God, God, have you seen this kid? I mean, surely you can do better than this. Man looks on the outward. Where does God look? What was in David? Potential. Inside of this scrawny, Bible call him uncomely. That's a nice way of saying this boy was ugly. I mean, he was nothing to look at. You know that awkward stage we go through? David just kind of stayed there. Not a good looking dude. Okay, and God said, look, he's the one. Because inside of him is a giant slayer, a king. A leader, and most importantly, inside of that boy is a man after my own heart, and my son's going to sit on his throne. Listen to this. Jesse's sons stood before the prophet. The father knew a king would soon be found. Each one passed except the last. No one thought to call him, because surely he would never wear a crown. Our God may see a king Even though your life seems filled With ordinary things Just remember He can touch you And everything will change Because when others see A shepherd boy Our God may see a king we got potential one by one those problems come <laughs> and our dreams they get shattered sometimes it's so hard to understand Oh, but things like chance, circumstance, they don't 
Our Father holds tomorrow in His hand. And when others see a shepherd boy, well, our God may see a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, in just a moment, why he can touch you and everything will change because when others see a shepherd boy God might see a king well it wasn't the oldest and it wasn't the strongest chosen on that day And the nations tremble when they step in His way. And when others see a shepherd boy, you know God may see a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, you just remember he can touch you and everything gonna change when others see that shepherd boy God they see the king oh listen yes God might see a king potential God placed it inside of you for his glory let me close with this let me close with this Galatians 6 and 7 here's what it says read it with me be not deceived God is not mocked Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God sent me here to give you a very serious warning today. Your forest is in danger. It's not about a good night's fun and a party or messing around. It's environmental danger. We were created at the image of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Bible says to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. What are those good works? Listen to me. It's your potential. Put it in you in seed form. And Satan wants to devour you because when he devours you, he devours your seed. But God sees a king in you. He sees a queen in you. He sees potential. That is untapped, so I beg you today, as you stand with me this morning, don't die frustrated, die finished. Don't die dilapidated, die done. You make a covenant this morning with the graveyard, and you say, graveyard, when I die, you get nothing. 
And I'm not just talking about what, maybe what you're thinking, although it all starts there, has its foundation. That's the root system. I'm not just talking about the spiritual, but don't you know that the physical that comes out is a result of where the root system is? There are businesses that God has given to some of you in seed form, and you're afraid to act on them. Don't take those ideas to the grave with you. Instead, leave a legacy that funds the kingdom of God. Stop being afraid. Fear is never from God unless it's fear of him and for him alone. God has given you something today, but the problem is he's given it to you as a dream, as a seed, as something small, and because it's so small, it's easy to ignore. And I just want to ask you something. Do you know what it is? And in the quietness of this moment, I want you to ask God, what is it, Lord? Help me. How many of you would say today, preacher, God has put something in me. And I don't, I want to, I want to, today, I want to make an agreement before God, before you, before these people, just where you stand. And I want to say, I want to make an agreement with the graveyard. I want to realize my kingdom potential. And I want to make today an agreement with the graveyard that when I die, the graveyard gets nothing. You say, preacher, that's me. I, I want to make that agreement by God's grace today. Would you raise your hand right where you stand? Don't do it unless you're serious. And don't think you're too old. I'm going to be in the graveyard next week. Now you better get busy. you got a short one, right? All right, I see those. Let me pray for those hands that are up right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that we will die empty. And that that will not be done in our own strength. And certainly not for our own glory. God, may you forbid that. But God, may we live in such a way that you awaken us to the seed potential you've placed inside of us. And that what is done is done with your name on it and for your glory, for the expansion of your kingdom as we press it into every corner of this godless culture. And that when we die, may they forget our name and remember our king. And God is in us right now. Help us to be wise enough to get uninvolved with all the things that are keeping us from getting involved in that which you've put inside us, our potential. And may you do this for the sake of your son and the expansion of your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And God, you created us to make that a reality. That's not a prayer we pray when we can think of nothing else. That is a promise we claim, and that is our marching orders. And it never happens unless we die empty. It never happens unless we get serious about what you placed inside of us in seed form and stop being afraid. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of fear that has just got its horrible tentacles around somebody in this room today. And I pray that the power of the resurrected Christ would shrivel the the roots of fear and that you would make clear the next steps to be done for your glory. May we live on purpose, for a purpose, because you created us with a purpose in mind that's already done. So may we rest while we run in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing the doxology together, and let's think about what God put inside of us and give him glory as the offering comes forward and we're dismissed today. Sing it loudly with me today. Here we go. Praise.